0: Where you can also learn more about working with me. Hello, you savvy, wonderful, mindful friend. I have an announcement for you. Over the past few months, Many of you have reached out to me with similar questions and struggles, and I realize not everyone is able to participate in my one-on-one coaching program, Mindful Leader Satisfied Life, and my heart has been heavy to find a way to help you. I've listened, and I've heard you, and I've worked very hard and I'm very excited to announce to you that I'm launching a brand new coaching program just for you. Cue the band, light the firecrackers, sound the alarm. The program is called the Three C's Lab. And what are the three C's? Confidence, connection, and calm. So you might be working on your career. You might not be working on your career. You might be working on getting a promotion. You might be working on just fitting in better with the people that you work with, not being as angry, not being as upset, Nobody can stand tall in their career, their relationships, or their life without a solid foundation. And this is what I work with with all of my clients. In the 3Cs lab, you'll learn the tools, skills, and techniques that will allow you to build that strong foundation so that you can be mindful and satisfied in every aspect of your life. It's part group coaching with me, part skills training, and part community. Mostly, you will belong to a really welcoming group of people who care about you, your personal development, purposeful life, and satisfaction. Do you ever wonder how you could stop grieving something whose time is past? know if it is right to change jobs or change you, Create a hybrid work environment for yourself. Ask for a raise, get promoted, get noticed. Stop feeling empty when your life is so busy. Are you tired of waking up in the middle of the night worried about something you can't control, trying so hard and not getting noticed or valued, being frustrated managing someone who is passive-aggressive? and underperforming, worrying about your relationship and not knowing what to do, anticipating retirement and questioning your identity. The three C's lab includes this weekly live group coaching calls with me via Zoom, a vault full of skills and tips, monthly interactive workshops with me where I'm training. This is not where I'm coaching people, this is where I'm giving you instruction on things like your ego and fear, your persona versus your identity, your energy, the drama triangle and where you might fall on that triangle. Life transitions and necessary endings. Knowing about the source of suffering. That's what's going to happen on the monthly trainings. There will be an online community where we can post and talk to each other all the time. A vault full of coaching and trainings in case you can't be on the calls. And this is the most important thing. Life time access. No renewals, no subscriptions, no secret hidden messages. All of this, 2k. Yep, that's right. That's it. 2k, all of the above, and you are in for life. You will always have access to all the new trainings, the videos, the updates, and coaching calls. So go over to my website, maryleganon.com, click on coaching, and follow the information to the Three C's Lab, Confidence, Connection, and Calm. I'm really looking forward to having you with me. This is the First time I've been able to offer something at this level, and I'm really excited to help all of you who have been reaching out to me so that we can be connected, confident, and calm together. Looking forward to having you in the program. Hi there, friend, and welcome to episode 71 of the Still Space Podcast, Finding a Mentor in an Offbeat Place. There's a lot written today about finding a mentor, a sponsor, or an advocate for your career. In this episode, I discuss some non-traditional methods of developing relationships with people whereby you're helping each other learn and grow. The wonderful thing about taking on a new challenge at any point in your life is that there is no end to what you may accomplish. We all need energy to make change. However, energy is not enough. Guidance is critical to help you chart a path and stay on it, especially when it comes from a trusted resource who has been through challenges and persevered, who understands your work culture better than you do, who has walked the talk and knows what you may encounter along the way that you don't even foresee. I believe this guidance is necessary to help stay the course during tough times and it will help you so that you don't wander out to the same dreary path you have traveled before. Habits are hard to break and mentors will be able to look objectively at your progress and offer a fresh perspective without the bias of your past experiences. Now, I'll use the terms interchangeably here to make a point quickly on this podcast, but understand that mentors, advocates, and sponsors are different. Mentor is somebody who will take you under their charge and help guide you. An advocate is somebody who's actually going to advocate for you. And a sponsor is a little bit even more intense, is someone who is going to own your success, who's going to continue to put you out there in uh, maybe what you would consider risk-taking roles so that you can be prepared for career advancement. But we are all creatures of habit, and not because we are bad people, but human beings are comforted by continuity. This is why so many people stay in unhappy jobs and in unhealthy relationships. It takes a lot more courage to leave what is familiar, no matter how discouraging it is, and to venture into uncharted territory than to just stay the course. Fear of the same seems to carry less risk than fear of the unknown. A place you have never been may not be safe, you feel safe in what you know, no matter how desperate, because it is predictable. The problem with staying with something predictable is that it may become a deterrent to your happiness and to your peace and to your advancement if it is not productive or healthy for you. And if you have been in a bad job or a bad relationship for a while, your self-confidence has been depleted. Your sense of normalcy has crept lower with each day so that you wind up doubting yourself, not seeing a brighter future, and figuring that you might as well just accept your situation because it has become normal to you. It's your new normal. In a way, you forget who you are and submit to being a bystander in your own life but you don't want to feel that way today or you would not be listening to this podcast trying to go in a new direction with your life. So why take a new job or a new journey with the same map that you've used in the past if you want to end up in a different destination? Find a trusted guide, a wise and trustworthy counselor or teacher who has vast life experience and is reflective and supportive. How do you find good mentors or sponsors or advocates? Once you know what it is that you want to achieve, and that may come in little steps, seek someone who has already accomplished something similar. You will have a lot of mentors in your life. I can tell you that I've had a number of mentors and none of them have known they were my mentors. So what I'm telling you is you don't have to formalize the practice if you have a mentor. You astutely study somebody, you understand what motivates them, you get close to them and understand why they do what they do, how they do what they do, what they do that is particularly strong, what they're known for, and then you ask them questions. Well, if you were me, what would you do? The minute you formalize the process and say, I would like to ask you to be my mentor or advocate or sponsor. They're already hearing I have responsibility here. I don't think that that's necessary. You might find that it's helpful. I didn't. I just got close to people and allowed them to have an imprint on me by showing them my vulnerability and my willingness to learn from them along the way. You, again, will have a lot of mentors in your life. As your goals change, so will your guides. That guide will help you because he, she, they see in you the ideals and dedication that it will take to succeed. Again, they see the ideals and dedication in you, so that means you have to allow them to see that. Mentors will see a little of the spirit in you a little of the character in you. Allow them to see your sense of humor. Allow yourself to be real in front of them. 12-step programs like Alcoholic Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Naranon, Al-Anon, which address life's most devastating habits and how to stay on course to write them, use mentors for the exact same reason. They're called sponsors. A mentor has been through challenges and knows the temptations that occur, especially when times are bad. A mentor will keep you from making the same mistake again. You may have made that mistake in the past, but they don't judge you for it because they know the pitfalls that come from taking things on the maybe easy shortcut route They know the easy shortcut route isn't always the best way. And so if you're mentoring someone, this is a lesson to you to be forgiving, to be a listener, to be a sounding board without judgment. Those mentors may become the best professional and possibly personal friend you will ever have. If you're starting a business, find a mentor who has started a similar business. If you're seeking to be an executive, find an executive who has walked the talk and asked them, hey, just a simple question. If you were me, what would you do right now? Search for mentors who have not had it easy. Seek those who have mounted unsurmountable odds. When I was faced with becoming the primary source of income for my four children, I took an inventory of my skills, assessed what lines of work would give me the greatest financial return because I had to feed everybody, all five of us. Knowing my talents, I charted a course that would build those talents. Mentors were vitally important to helping me and learn what I didn't know and helping me see the things that I couldn't just read in books. I needed somebody to give me a fresh perspective on me. This is why I coach to this day, because you can't see every side of yourself. And if you don't see and understand what other people see, it's very hard to be effective. Mentors taught me a lot of things. They taught me how to negotiate when the deal was failing, how to break into a conversation that was otherwise closed, how to engage and motivate people, among other valuable insights that I didn't know without observing them. I had a friend that used to take me on sales calls just so that I could understand that it wasn't always price that got the sale. It was service. It was connectivity. I learned from observing. I was a sponge. I began my new career path with my love and basic skill of writing. I love to write. I had done a lot of writing for volunteer organizations when I was a stay-at-home mother and sent clips of my writing to the largest metropolitan newspaper in my town, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I was hired to be a freelance reporter for the Post-Gazette without... A journalism degree. I did not have that degree, nor had I ever written for a newspaper. I joined a writers group of other post-gazette freelance writers so that I could mentor under them on how they addressed issues inherent to reporting. I suppose I could have found a famous writer in Pittsburgh to mentor me, but I learned more from my own colleagues than I could have hoped to have learned from anyone else. So you don't always have to go for that high-placed person, just someone who has already walked some of the walk that you're on. One of those colleagues recommended me for a part-time position as a public relations director of a public school district where she was a school board member. I was able to secure that position, allowing me the freedom to work from home because she knew I was struggling financially with these four little kids. Now, when I went on the interview for that job, this is a school district, they wanted to see my college transcripts. And I remember the superintendent of the school district said to me, Mary Lee, what do you have to say about the fact that you got a C in algebra? I looked him in the eye and I said, I'd say you're right. He asked me what I had to say about it. I wasn't going to argue it or defend it. I'd say you're right. And he smiled. He smiled because I didn't get defensive. I didn't make excuses. And he knew with me, what you see is what you get. I joined several writers' groups at the time to help improve my craft. I had previously done some writing for children, which taught me to write very tightly. That's very helpful when you're writing for a newspaper. The skills transferred well to newspaper writing, where every word could otherwise be used for advertising space. I was beginning to understand that everything that I was going through was for a reason. A lesson, per se, I became a student who was thirsty to learn more, All the while I was on welfare, food stamps, and medical assistance after having gone through a very difficult divorce. I never was defensive when my newspaper stories were edited. I considered editing a learning experience. I can remember the first time I called in a story. I forgot to get the age of the person that we were reporting on. I never made that mistake again. It's difficult to ask someone their age, but I knew it was required. Again, never made that mistake again. To have the best educated editors at an award-winning newspaper critique my writing were gifts to me. I did not see that as needing to be defended. I did not get defensive. I just did what they told me and they respected me. I ended up writing five stories a week for the Post-Gazette. I could pitch an idea for a story and nobody ever turned me down. I was very good at being edited. I wrote very tightly and I did exactly what they needed. The editors only had to tell me something once. I never argued with them or tried to defend them. I was a very quick study and I was fortunate enough to land more assignments from the Post-Gazette and other publications than I could keep up with. I attribute my writing skills today to what I learned from my editors and mentors while with the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. None of them knew they were mentoring me, but they were in fact mentoring me. Yet, as much as I valued developing my writing abilities, I knew I needed to diversify my skills. In order to acquire more work that was going to pay me more to support my family so I pursued work in the affiliated fields of public relations and business communications I was grateful to have many clients and mentors during that time too I learned graphic design I did a lot of business writing I discovered quickly that freelance work was not going to afford me the living that was needed to support five people I loved freelance work, but it just wasn't going to give me what I needed. I did not have employment benefits for the children or health care, dental, vision. I needed that for five people. So I assessed my ability to lead and to talk to people and decided to build my sales skills. I had a wonderful mentor in the advertising specialty industry who allowed me to follow him around on sales calls. Sometimes I had my son with me in the office. He was three years old. To this day, I say that's why he's so savvy. It was there that I learned the art of selling and that the best price did not, as I say, always get the sale. He told me that, but I didn't believe it until I saw it in person. It was the relationship. The best service and the best relationship sealed the deal. I could see that people in sales who were good at what they did had the ability to move into higher paying positions in a variety of companies. I like people. And to hear a person say no to something I was pitching to them was not the worst thing that had ever happened to me. Imagine, I mean, I'm just coming out of a divorce where I'm on public assistance. Talk about rejection. So, I became resilient and took every opposition as a learning experience. I could see that people with strong sales skills, for the most part, were making more than those with strong writing skills. But the field of sales is extremely competitive, so I decided to transfer those skills into a field that needed strong people and motivational skills but drew far less competition than sales. For me, that field was fundraising. Most people would be comfortable trying to sell you something before they would feel comfortable asking you for money. But I could see the good work that fundraising provided the community, and I could see very clearly that fundraising into industries got paid very well. That would be healthcare, hospitals, etc., cetera, and universities. University fundraisers I knew had to travel because their alumni move all over the country and world. Hospital fundraising is more local because patients are within usually a 10 to 15 mile radius of the hospital. So I strategically chose fundraising in healthcare. As a young girl, I mentored under my mother in a number of volunteer fundraising activities that ranged from helping blind people adjust to society, to providing food for the hungry, to creating improvements in our church and schools, just to name a few. I knew that professional fundraising was not just an art, but had a science to it as well. So I purchased books on the subject at the bookstore and borrowed books from the library to study the science. While working at the newspaper and as the freelance public relations director of the public school district, members of that school board became some of the best mentors I had in fundraising. I never formally asked them to mentor me, yet from them, I learned that fundraising was not just the document you write, but again, as in sales, the relationship that you create. So today we're talking about mentors and how you really don't have to formalize a mentor relationship to be mentored by people. Rule break here, some may think that a mentor should be a very successful, high-profile individual. I suggest that you not look in that direction. The president of a company or a highly recognized leader may be too busy to take a personal interest in you. Try to find someone who has a lower profile, quietly achieved the same objectives, turned his or her life around, and wants to make time for you. Now here are some practical tips on how to find a mentor for you. Number one, find someone with a familiar and similar history. Look for someone who has done what you want to accomplish. Maybe not on the grandest scale, but who has consistently succeeded with innumerable challenges in the way. Look for this person in a company similar to yours, but not a competitive company. Look at professional organizations where people with your similar goals... Meet to share ideas and grow. Also look in non-traditional places, maybe your church, synagogue or mosque, a book group, a local pool or gym. If you are seeking guidance on starting a business, someone at one of the governmental agencies might be able to help you. The Small Business Administration, Service Corps of Retired Executives, these are full of people who want to help businesses succeed. Look online for similar businesses in another part of town with which you would not be in competition. Also, ask friends if they know someone who has done what you want to accomplish. Number two, find someone who is interested in helping you. The person living the greatest success story in the world will not afford anything for you if he or she does not have time to meet with you and guide you. They must be interested in you spend time talking with potential mentors to find the right fit and that relationship builds by you being curious and interested in them asking them questions about them allowing them to talk without you interrupting and certainly without you saying oh yes i'm already doing that you're going to listen to them and say that's really helpful thank you for that can you tell me a little more about that number three look online for similar stories someone in another city may have done something and be available to help you via the internet but this does not substitute for someone with whom you can meet regularly face to face you can have zoom meetings and have substantive relationships with people electronically but if you can take someone to lunch if you can show up and just deliver some flowers or a great cup of coffee for someone. It means a lot. People in other cities, though, may not be as fearful that you will be a competitor to theirs, so that makes them a good source as a mentor. Number four, set up a lunch or an online meeting with them. Generally, this will be someone with whom you have already met and about whom you have a good feeling. If there is someone you have identified as a good potential mentor, and you run into him or her at a social or professional gathering, introduce yourself and share your admiration for their success. It is often worthwhile to find a mentor within a company in which you already work, or maybe seeking to work. Ask specific questions. You can do this online. You can do this at a meetup. Ask questions about how the person got to where he or she is. Ask them questions that let the individual know you are aware of the specific information about his, her, or their company. Questions might be, how did you get started in that field? What do you like most or least about your work? What is your typical daylight? What emerging trends do you see affecting your industry in the next five years? What skill sets and abilities will i need to be successful in this line of work people are always flattered by your interest in their stories if you feel the connection is good ask if you may follow up with a call meet with them again to continue the discussion of that person's success if there seems to be a good fit between you and that person at lunch or at an individual meeting where you two are are very focused not at a social event ask if you may meet with him or her or them occasionally so that you can gain insight from the person's experiences. That's not saying, will you be my mentor? That's saying, do you mind if I follow up later? Tell the person that you admire his or her accomplishments and that you would really like to be able to follow in that person's blueprint for success. Most likely that person will be flattered. Now, this is really important. When you meet with somebody, come prepared with specific examples of what you are doing toward your goal. Don't meet with people and say, I don't really know what I should be doing. No, this is what I'm thinking. These are my measurable key accomplishments of what I've achieved so far. I have been thinking about pursuing this line of work. And what are you thinking based on my experience? What would be the next thing I should do? Sometimes I have these quiet mentors, as I discussed, and that is okay. That's where I just call up somebody and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? busy people don't want to mind map or create. If you give busy people a question where they can choose A or B, they're right with you. If you make them think and create, that's not a call they're going to want to take. But if you want to call somebody up and ask them a question A, B, or C, they'll take that call and they'll answer that question. Relationships are the source of happiness and they are also the source of advancement. They must be honest they must be compassionate. These must be authentic relationships, not put on only for your good. You're there for the two of you to grow and learn together. And chances are they are learning something from you just by answering your questions, understanding how you think. You might be of different generations. They're learning from you. The learning is going both ways. Number five, Send creative instruments of gratitude often. I know everything you read says you don't need to send a thank you note. I will tell you that is absolute nonsense. If you want to stand out to somebody, get some decent stationery and write a thank you note because you know what? Nobody is getting them. I can't tell you how many interviews. I have done where nobody sends a thank you note, but the one person that did, I'm paying attention. Because in my line of work, creating relationships like that is very important. I am very much paying attention to the person who does something outside of the norm, even though everybody's saying, you can just send a thank you email. That's not the same as sending a gift card to somebody, a little note to somebody a link to an article to somebody that is relevant to something you talked about that will help them be the person who stands out. If people do something nice for you, you can never thank them enough. Send your mentor a card on boss's day that may say, I know you're not my boss, but you have been a valued teacher and trusted example of success in my life. Do you know what that will mean to that person? Send an interesting book that you think he or she or they would enjoy. Ask what their birthday is. Find out what their birthday is. Have flowers or a fruit basket or something delivered to them that they like. You can note their birthday on Facebook or LinkedIn. If you see what their birthday is, write it down. Send a homemade tree to Thanksgiving with a note that expresses your gratitude. Once you've experienced the value of a mentor, don't forget what that meant to you. Offer to mentor someone else pay it forward. The experience of mentoring helps you give back a little. That's that compassion that we're always reaching out for, for ourselves, to give ourselves self-compassion and giving compassion to others. That's what makes for a satisfied life. In doing so, you'll learn something new about yourself and you'll nurture yourself in a fresh voice Let me tell you Victoria's story. Victoria was 30 years old and selling advertising for a local radio station in the ski town of Sun Valley, Idaho. The only competition she had was newspaper advertising. Her clients repeatedly asked her how they could better reach the visitors who were not making time to read the local newspaper on their ski trips. It wasn't until she and a girlfriend went on a getaway weekend to Aspen, Colorado that she came up with a solution to her client's problem. Once the women had arrived at their Aspen Hotel and checked in at the front desk, they were handed an illustrated map with advertisements around the perimeter. This map served as an immediate resource for the selection of their first restaurant and continued to help them chart activities for the rest of their stay. Now, mind you, in an electronic world, This was still something that had value. Within 20 minutes, I had made my first buying decision, said Victoria. That map was exactly what my clients were looking for. Victoria researched what it would cost to illustrate and print a similar map for Sun City. Then she invested her life savings of $1,000 and set fees for what to charge the advertisers. Suddenly, she was moonlighting in her own business. Asking questions of knowledgeable people was a big part of what Victoria did correctly from the start. She remembers being silent and truly listening to the advice she was given. Successful people have one thing in common, said Victoria. They know to leave their egos at the door and become completely teachable I knew I didn't know anything and was excited to learn. I was like a sponge. This is really important. They leave their egos at the door. Faced with the challenge of quitting her radio job to take on her business full-time, Victoria decided to expand her venture into a new market, 500 miles, four remote mountain passes, and many snowstorms away, she was now in the business of creating maps for travelers to find places to eat. She ultimately quit her job, left her two small children with her husband, and departed home for 10 weeks. It was too far to commute, and they did not have the money to fly back and forth for visits as she was building this business. In a viral snowstorm, she kissed her family goodbye and got on the road. Something inside me told me this was going to be one of the most important decisions Of my life observed Victoria she was in her still space and she made a conscious decision 60 miles from home Victoria's car went into a 360-degree spin hit a guardrail and came to a screeching halt on the downturn of a steep mountain pass as she sat in the car facing downhill petrified with fear the temptation to turn around grew overwhelmingly nevertheless she shook off her fears gripped the steering wheel put the car in drive and pressed on to complete her trip still the separation from her family continued to be painful drawing her to tears every single morning i would just dust myself off and get to work remembers victoria who went on to successfully complete that project and accept other challenges along the way that ranged from Partner, horror stories, to divorce, to near bankruptcy. I am resolved to pay attention and learn from my foibles, said Victoria. Mentors had a great influence on the development of her business. The single most important one was her first partner and good friend, Mary, even though Mary was younger than Victoria. Her positive and adventurous outlook on life was an inspiration. She trusted the goodness in people and taught me to always look for the positive in people and situations, said Victoria. Together, we felt we could take on the world, and I believe the parts of the world we touched enjoyed our enthusiasm. More often than not, Victoria's other mentors were other small business owners who were her clients. In working to help them market their businesses, she was able to learn about their businesses, their dreams, their disappointments, and their understanding of what it takes to be successfully self employed. She had a banker who believed in her early on and extended a loan to her that would probably be difficult to obtain in today's market. She put her in the company of competent professionals, a good accountant a retired businessman who not only encouraged her and rooted for her, but also provided sage advice. It's not like I had one confidant or primary mentor, but many who offered insight and advice, she said. There is abundant opportunity to learn and grow in business surrounding everyone. Usually, if you're just curious and ask questions, most people love to share and offer advice. Remember that word, curious, curiosity. It's part of my coaching program. When we are curious, we can self-regulate the doubt that comes in by bringing it in closer and saying, hey, what are you trying to teach me here? Pattern interrupting that habit of, oh, this is doom and gloom. This isn't going to work out. Oh, yeah, that's just me doing my I'm afraid routine. Get curious about what there is to learn here. Conferences, seminars and organizations such as the Small Business Administration, Chamber of Commerce became a strong part of Victoria's weekly activities because they offered networking opportunities where she could learn new things. It was through this discovery, through these experiences that she developed a relationship with other mentors to guide her. Whatever challenges you are facing, someone has been there before and knows the way, says Victoria. Don't isolate yourself ever. Become and stay active in your community. And I loved interviewing her because her commitment to herself and to her business was steadfast. Her business was starting to grow, but not without trials. For years, the business was undercapitalized. She said, I chewed my fingernails, wondering if I was going to make payroll or the rent. There were many things that kept me going, she said, not the least of which were the wonderful people and vendors that continually pulled for us and who were willing to work with me, and we had fun along the way, which is probably the most important ingredient to our success. She digitalized her business She developed franchises from Amelia Island, Florida, to West Yellowstone, Montana. Eventually, a challenged economy made it hard on the travel industry. And Victoria said, all businesses have risks. You can't lose sight of the dream. You have to keep going when the going gets tough. Her future goals include mentoring others, as she attributes her success to mentors who beat the odds and inspired her to think outside of the box, One such mentor was her grandmother, a strong-willed, self-made, and eccentric woman. All of my business experience has been learned through the School of Hard Knocks, said Victoria, whose formal education extends only through high school graduation. The challenges I faced have forced me to learn, grow, risk, adapt, and have a sense of humor. Remember, find mentors along the way who are willing and able to make time for you be a sponge and learn who do you think might be a good mentor for you now i want to give you a little quiz here to help you think about who might be a really good mentor for you this is the mentor mentee quiz number 1 who drives and owns the mentoring partnership the mentee that's the person who's being mentored is the one driving the partnership but the mentor should help him her or them successfully do this but if you're wanting to be mentored you're driving the partnership what seems to be the minimum mentor mentee contract time that makes a positive difference in the relationship now this is in a formal mentee relationship i don't think they have to be formal mentor sponsor advocate relationships but A good meeting is one to one and a half hours per month. Number three, what two key things do a formal mentor do? Number one, they help mentees identify goals. And number two, build skills to reach those goals. Number four, what is the mentoring skill that mentees value and remember most? The answer to that is encouragement. Five, how many times should you give positive reinforcement for every correction or criticism you give? This is for mentors. At least four. You want to tell people four times how wonderful they are before you point out something that they need help with. Number six, what are five skills of a good mentor? Listens actively, identifies goals, clarifies reality, Builds, trust, encourages. Number seven, what are some things to do to get acquainted and build the mentor-mentee relationship? Share your career history. Share information about families. Find common interests, either in life or experience. Sports, hobbies, children. Ask questions. Tell why you're interested in the relationship. Talk about past mentoring experiences. Number eight, what are three things that mentoring sessions are not? Number one, counseling. You're not there to counsel somebody. You're not there to be counseled. Number two, they're not psychotherapy. You're not giving psychological advice. You're not expecting for someone to help you figure out why your relationship isn't working out. Number two, they're not gripe sessions. If you are a whiner, a mentor is not going to want to help you. Number nine, what's one way to fail as a mentor? This is for mentors. Say, call me if you need me. That is, honestly, when people say that, when someone has passed away and you go to a funeral home and you say to somebody, if you need something, just call me, you know that that is just placating them. That is disingenuous. That's not compassion. That's not empathy. What's one way you can fail as a mentee? Not to deliver on what was discussed at the last session. To not drive the relationship. You as the mentee are responsible for the relationship. So in closing I will tell you whether you are a mentor or a mentee you have a lot to give the relationship you have a lot about you that is interesting you're amazing you need to be very purposeful as the mentee about what it is that you're looking for in the relationship and also drive the relationship and communicate how you are taking action on all of the direction that you're being given wishing you a great mentor sponsor advocate relationship this week i'm glad you were with me today and i invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website maryleegannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me